Before we open God's word, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we felt your power this week. Each one of us has felt it. Each one of us in our own way. And we desire some more. And so we pray that you would speak to us tonight, Father. Lord, we pray that your spirit would come down and fill this place. That you would move among us. That you'd move through us. Father, that you'd convict men and women. Father, that you'd break us when we need breaking. And that through it all, you'd reveal who you desire us to be. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Shine. It's a nice word, isn't it? And when you think about it and think about shine, it kind of just flows. Shine. It's not abrupt. It's not tough. It doesn't just end. It doesn't hit you hard. It's smooth. Shine. What does it mean to shine? Arise. Arise is kind of easy. Not easy to do necessarily, but it's easy to understand. Arise. Stand up. Get up. Shine. How do you shine? We're going to try to take a look at what it means to shine tonight. Um, I know I told our class today, bring your Bibles. I want you to follow along. Um, So hopefully they brought their Bibles. I'm going to look for them. Um, For the rest of you, let's get out our Bibles and follow along. Um, This is going to require us to, to, to follow, not just listen. If you don't have a Bible, look to the person next to you, and uh, and we'll take a look at what the Word says about shining. Uh, Turn to Exodus with me. Exodus chapter 33 and chapter 34. second time that Moses uh, approaches God and, and needs a new set of Ten Commandments. Uh, we all know what happened the first time. And uh, God, Moses asked God to, to make sure he's with them and to show himself. And then in verse 18... I'm sorry, let's start with verse 17 in chapter 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, this being Moses now, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, now this is God, I will make all my goodness Pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me 
and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take my hand away, I'm sorry, and I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Let's jump to verse 5 in chapter 34. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for thy inheritance. After that, we get some new Ten Commandments. And move on with me to verse 29. You have to follow along here. And remember, um, in verse 22, and it shall come to, in verse 22 of chapter 33, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff to the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. That while my glory passes by, I will put you in that crack of the rock and cover you as I go by. And as I pass by, I'll remove my hand so that you can see me. You can see my back. And in verse 29, And it came to pass, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. And they were afraid to come nigh to him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him. And Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak to him, to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out, and he spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. Let's just stop there for a second and just, just imagine. Imagine. 
Imagine what it would be like to see Moses. And his face shone. And then imagine further, imagine what it would be like to see the glory of God. Moses saw the glory of God, and his face shone. So much so, that he had to put a veil over his face. I don't know if you caught in what we read. The people saw his face shining, and they fled. And Moses had to call to them, and then they returned to him. I can't imagine what they thought. Oh, it's an apparition. It's a ghost. Oh, what is it? And they ran. His face shone. Today in class, we talked about what it would be like to experience God. Remember? For the rest of you, what would it be like to experience God? When Isaiah experienced God, he said, Woe is me. Woe is me. When the people of Israel experienced God, they fled until a veil was put over Moses' face. What would it be like to see the glory of God? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now we get to the meat. We're going to start with verse 7. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3. For the unbeliever, for those of you that, that, that are not born again Christians, that do not have the indwelling of the Spirit, you have to imagine what it would be like as we read this and try to understand. This is not easy scripture, this isn't fluff. But follow along and imagine. For the born-again Christian, imagine as well. Starting with verse 7. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? a lot of big words. You could stare at that for five minutes, and if you're not sure what's going on, you could maybe still not be sure what's going on. What's the ministration of death? Well, just to clear things up, the ministration of death is the law. 
And it's not a condemnation to death. But if we remember the New Testament and remember what we read in other scripture, the law reveals sin, right? Sin tells us what we're doing wrong. Sin shows us that we're going to die. The law is the ministration of death. But if the ministration of death, if the law written and engraven in those stones and those Ten Commandments was glorious, and we just read that it was so glorious that as, as Moses saw the glory of God and, and as he spent time with him up on the mount, chiseling away at those stones, his face shone. We know it's glorious, right? He saw the glory of God. He was there with the glory of God. He experienced God. So we know that verse 7 is right. If the ministration of death, if the law, written and engraven in stones, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold, they couldn't look on the face of Moses because it was so bright, Oh, and by the way, the end of verse 7 says, which glory was to be done away. Right? This, this glory that, that Moses had, well, this isn't permanent. This is kind of like a shadow. The law, I guess, it's not a perfect analogy, but imagine it as a shadow. Right? When you see the shadow of something, you, if you don't know the something, but you see its shadow, you know something's there don't necessarily know what the object is, but you get the outline. Well, that's what the law was. This shadow, it signified, it gave hints to what was to come. It didn't really tell us completely what was to come. It's going away, but it's glorious. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? What's the ministration of the Spirit? Obviously, it's not the law. It's something different. And it sounds like it's pretty glorious too. Bear with me. Just stick it through. For some of you, this might be boring, but just try to follow along. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, now he's kind of repeating himself. He's trying to emphasize something here. The ministration of condemnation is the law again. Be glory much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. See, there's something else coming. Something else that's much more glorious. I wonder what it is. You guys probably have a, a good idea of what it is. I'd venture to guess you're mostly wrong. Maybe you're right. Maybe I should give you more credit. For even that which was made glorious, for even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away with is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. And now I'm gonna just paraphrase this. If the shadow that kind of tells you that something is there is full of glory, is glorious. Don't you think that the object is more important? Would kind of make sense, right? Shadow. I mean, my daughters, we, we'd, we'd go on walk, we'd go on walks, and um, 
my daughter loves to, to hop on my shadow. Parents, you probably experience this. I'm not the only one. Right? And we have a game. She tries to catch my shadow. She loves playing the game. I can venture to guess, though, that I'm a little more important than the shadow. The object is more important than the shadow. What's the object? For if that which is done away was glorious, in verse 11, much more that which remaineth is glorious. We've got to keep reading to find out. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. We start to get a hint. The object is Christ. The object is salvation through Christ. You think, I knew that. Totally don't give you enough credit, right? Just wait. But even until this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I'm going to paraphrase a few things here. Um, Verse 18 is key. If you're following along, you're going to hit verse 18, and it's key. But Apostle Paul says... The Jewish people, they still have a veil over their face. Except that it's not over their face in this case, it's over their heart. See, the law, well, kind of blinded them. They're blinded. They don't see through this veil that they have over their hearts to understand what the shadow represented. They just see the, they just see the shadow. They don't see the object beyond the shadow. Nevertheless, in verse 16, when it, it is the heart in verse 15. In verse 15 it says, but even unto this day, when Moses is read, when the law is read to the Jewish people, the veil is upon their heart. Right? It, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it, when their heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And then he emphasizes that it's the Spirit of the Lord doing the work. And then this is so cool. This is so awesome. But we all, with open face, right? No veil over our face, no veil over anything, nothing covered, beholding is in a glass, looking at, like we look in the mirror in the morning. And we see our reflection just like that. Are changed into the same image from glory to glory. The first word, glory, represents the law. 
that which passeth. That, that which was so bright that the, that the people ran from Moses until he covered his face. The second is what we are changed into. The glory of Christ. You see, we talk about being a reflection of the light. We are the light. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We are the light. We are supposed to shine. And we're supposed to be so bright that the, that the light that is shown from Moses' face pales in comparison, brothers and sisters. And friends, unbelievers, you can be that light. You can be the light of Jesus here on earth. Imagine not seeing the glory of God, but being the glory of God. We are the glory of God here on earth. It's not me, it's not you, it's the glory of God in us. It is us. And we're supposed to shine. We're supposed to shine. problem with that though it's been bugging me where's the light what I imagine I mean based on what we read in Exodus a light so bright that people were afraid. People backed away until they, they realized that it was Moses. And that light, well, that light's not supposed to be so bright compared to the actual glory of God that we represent, that we are here on earth. We're supposed to be brighter. We are supposed to be the raw, unfiltered, unprocessed, all natural, the organic light of God here on earth. No veil, no covering. Where is it? What happened to the light? Can you imagine? Just imagine with me for a moment. I'm visual. I was talking to, I was talking to Zach. He's visual too. I know there's other people around here that, that are, are pretty visual. So for those of you that are visual, that's, this is easy. For those of you that aren't so visual, try. Imagine every one of us shining in the way that we just read we're supposed to shine. I try to imagine one. I try to imagine myself. I try to imagine myself shining that way. Arguably speaking, you'd all be blind. Problem is, I don't see anybody doing even this right now. Where's our light? Where's the light? 
it finally kind of actually clicked last night. Because I've been struggling with that this week. I said that, right? I've been scratching my head. I've been perplexed. I've been staring at this sign and wondering, where's the, where, where's the break? You see, by who we are, we are light. It's not by our actions that we're light. So we can't say that it's, well, that person just isn't doing the right thing. It's not what we do that makes us light. and It's who we are that makes us light. So the light should be shining. Every one of us who claim Jesus as Lord and of our life should be shining. We have no choice. It's who we are, not what we can be or, or what we do or, or how we are. It's who we are. And, and that's what's perplexed me this week. Because if we're not shining, does that mean that we're not Christians? Boy, that'd be a big bummer. If that many people weren't Christians who thought they were. And then it occurred to me. Last night, I was talking to a dear brother, and, and as we're talking, it clicked. And it's actually kind of comical. I can't believe it, but it makes a, a lot of sense. We've put the veil back on, brothers and sisters. <laughs> That's why we can't see the light. We've got a veil back over the light. <laughs> I'm not sure why. I'm, I'm, I can guess. Was it too bright? Was the pure light of Jesus Christ shining through us just too bright for our friends? Was it too bright for everybody we knew, for everybody that we know? Does it just hurt too much? Because it is raw. And raw, raw is not like shine. Raw, by just the word, is hard. It hurts. The light of Jesus is raw. a little too uncomfortable to put the veil back on? I think there's a lot of reasons that we put the veil back on. Some of us put the veil back on with our attitudes. The veil can be so many different things. It can be our attitude. It can be our freedom in Christ. The fact that I'm more important and my freedom and my liberty is more important than my brothers and sisters. And so I care less what they're thinking. Don't judge me. I'll ju I won't judge you and we're all okay. All right, there's a light. It can be the brother that's got the three-piece suit on. don't even want to know what he does at home. 
but he sure looks good at church. Now, there's the light. Same goes for sisters. What is your veil? How little clothes you wear? What kind of clothes you wear? What's your veil? Attitude? Backbiting? We all have different veils. And through it all, the light of Jesus is covered up. By it all, the love of Jesus is covered up. We're supposed to shine. When we imagine what it could be like to shine, You know, and when I was thinking about it last night, I was crying. And so maybe my tears are all dried up, and now it's almost funny. The potential that's in this room, the potential that we as individuals have if we just let the light shine. And we don't. We've got our plethora of reasons why our justifications, our rationalizations, we spin the truth, we, we spin the Bible, make it say whatever we want it to say so that we can live life our way, whether it's a tradition, whether it's not a tradition. And through it all, we're not shiny. Apostle Paul continues on in, verse, in chapter 4, Therefore, Seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We don't quit. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Have we renounced the hidden things of dishonesty? We've all renounced the open things of dishonesty. What about the hidden ones? What about the ones that no one knows about? Have we renounced those? Are we focused on shining, on refl not reflecting on being the light of Jesus? Is that our passion? It should be. It can be. And if it is, this world will forever be changed. What did Isaiah 60 say? And the Gentiles will come to your light. We're so afraid that our light is going to be glaring that people will be afraid and will run away. The Bible says that the people will be drawn to the light. And then maybe there won't be so many. But there will be people drawn to the light. We're the light. People will be drawn to us. People, and, and you've experienced it. Those of you that have, that have gone out of your way to, to, to deal with people, like we were talking about the, the drawing a blank, the Pelham Park ministry. A lot of hard work. And you see kids drawn to it. Not walking in craftiness. I love this one. We can all be pretty crafty. We can all take and, and, and make the word say what we want it to say, to meet our purposes. We can be slick when we need to be. Some are better than others, but... All of us are, can be pretty good at it at some time. He says, we've renounced this. This is not who we are anymore. We're that light. Nor handling the word of God deceitfully. 
but by manifestation, by an open demonstration of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And then, see, this is the most unfortunate thing, this next verse. This is, what's, this is, this is what really hurts. But if our gospel be hid, if our gospel's hidden, if we've, if we've got it covered, it's hid to those that are lost. And you know, we've got a problem with that. Why is it that, why is it that, that we can shine so bright in church for each other? But it doesn't seem like we shine so much outside of church. And I don't even necessarily think it's the real shine sometimes. We just look like we're shining when we come to church. We got the part down pretty good. But as Brother Walter said on Sunday, it's the heart. It has to come from the heart. And we can be so introverted at times that we forget that the shine, the shine is for the lost. I don't need to shine for you who are Christians. You're the light yourselves. I can help you. You can help me. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. See, God has covered their eyes, lest we would make an impact on them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out, <coughs> out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What has he done? He's given us the light. The light of what? It's knowing the, the glory of God through the face of Jesus Christ. That's what's in our heart. That's what's supposed to shine out from us. Shine. an adventure out there and I worry that we're afraid at the same time I'm really excited about the future I see the potential I see the young people I see all of us the potential that we have to shine to shine for Jesus Christ in a world that is in darkness we read in John Some of us, some of us are just the sad state of affairs in our current state. That part needs to change. We need to tear that veil off, brothers and sisters. We need to tear that veil off and shine. Shine by confessing Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Shine by showing them the love of Jesus Christ. Shine by showing them that we care just as Jesus Christ cared about us. We need to shine. 
when we make a mistake, when we sin, we need to repent and not just quietly to God. Sorry, Lord, didn't mean to make that mistake. We need to tell the people that we hurt, especially if they're not Christians. I hurt you. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. That's Jesus Christ. It's not about pride. It's not about how good we are. It's about how real we are. It's about shining. It's about acknowledging our mistakes and moving on. It's about living a victorious life in Jesus Christ that we have the power to do through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Shine. Why do we do this? It seems like I do it, we all kind of do it. Um, we see ourselves as, as an individual. I'm myself, I'm independent, I'm a singular person. I affect the people around me, we know that. We, are, we affect each other. But by and large, I'm on my own. God looks at me singularly. It's just a, just a vertical thing between me and God. As we mature, we realize, you know what? It's more than just a, just a vertical thing between me and God. It's also a horizontal thing between me and the people around me. There's more. This is so awesome. Um, I was actually talking to Brother Mark about this last night. Hebrews chapter 11. Everybody knows this chapter. Um, Chapter Faith. You've got to turn to this chapter because there's a couple of verses at the, at the tail end that are, that, are, that are something special. The Faith Chapter. We talk about Abel, Enoch, Noah. We talk about Abraham, Sarah. We talk about Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We talk about Moses' parents and Moses. We talk about Joshua, Rahab. Starting in verse 32. And what shall, what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and of Samuel, and of the prophets. Oh, the heroes of faith. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women's, women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better re resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. 
They were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. The heroes of faith and all that they went through. What do they, what, is, what does this have to do with us shining? Right? We're supposed to shine. What am I talking about the heroes of faith for? And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. What does that mean? And these all, having obtained a good report, received not the promise. They were so good through faith, they're recorded in the Bible. And none of them experienced the promise. They all came before the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they, without us, should not be made perfect. Let me read that again. God, having provided some better way for us, some better thing for us, that they, without us, should not be made perfect. This is cool. Their faith, all that they did, is made complete in us. These heroes of the faith, Abraham and Isaac, Moses, Noah, Joseph, all those others, their faith, all the things that they did, if they would have just stopped there, if the Bible would have ended there, it would have kind of been incomplete. But you see, us shining, we show that what they did is real. We show that what Moses did meant something when we shine. God intertwines everything. We're not individuals. We don't just affect the people next to us. We don't just affect our children and our grandchildren. We reveal, we reveal that God is real. We reveal that Moses, what he did was real, meant something, was true, was right, was on target. If we don't shine, we lessen. We lessen what they did. 
Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, when you understand verses 39 and 40, verse 1 of chapter 12 takes on a whole new meaning. Seeing that we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin, that sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God, at the right hand of the throne of God. Sorry. Shine.